The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest creeps, to the backwoods swamp near the bottom, to the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. This is Chance Hancock from Genesis Paranormal Services out of Tampa, Florida, and also the host of Paraprobe Radio Show every Saturday with his buddy Jesse J. And I just want to give a big shout out to my boys here at the Big Scary Show, and thank you so much for having us around. Hi, my name is Butch Patrick. That's right, Eddie from the Munsters, and you're listening to the Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> hey everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast. My name is Dennis, and my counterpart is Adam from Paranormal Legend Society. We had a great time. I hope you listened to all the archives, and thank you for having us on The Big Scary Show. Hi guys, this is Ronnie from Tennessee Paranormal in historical Lynchburg, Tennessee. I'd like to give a big shout out to The Big Scary Show, one of the best podcasts on the internet. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. Hi folks, welcome to The Big Scary Show episode 200. And 46. This is Drew Badger, and we are just so excited about haunt season. It has begun. Get out there, support your haunted houses. If I don't seem to be celebrating like normal, well, some of you know, some of you don't. A couple days ago, I had some pretty intense surgery. So I'm on the mend. I'm going to be fine. Thank you to all of those who've sent your best wishes and well wishes. It is very much appreciated. But just because I'm on the mend doesn't mean that we can't deliver a great, big, scary show. I'm going to be bringing you the latest in Deadline News. Storm is going to be ranting about haunted houses and real estate. That's an interesting topic going on nowadays. We are very excited that Meat Hook Jim and his Between the Corpses is having a new theme for the next little while. I wonder if you can figure out what it is. Hope you have your IDs ready. Hmm, wonder what it could be. We've got some great music for you, and we just might have a gruesome giveaway winner for the month of September. Find out who it is. Stay tuned. Our Roundtable of Terror celebrates haunted houses. 
not the kind that we're talking about that opened up this weekend, but the quote-unquote real haunted houses out there. We've brought in some paranormal investigators from Florida, Tennessee, and Rhode Island, and they share their experiences, their stories. It is a fascinating and very interesting conversation about our our haunt brethren there in the paranormal world. Please stay tuned and take a listen. You'll enjoy it as much as we did. We have all this and so much more coming up on episode 246 of The Big Scary Show. The Legendary Haunt Tour is proud to announce its 2021 destinations. We are excited to be heading south again this year on an amazing trek that will include four top-notch haunted attractions in and around New Orleans. The Mortuary, 13th Gate, New Orleans Nightmare, and Rise. All of these incredible events have been raising the bar for years in innovation and quality. This will be a tour not to be missed. Stay tuned for more details to come, but mark your calendars now and plan to head south for the Legendary Haunt Tour, November 12th and 13th, 2021. For more information, you can check it out on legendaryhaunttour.com. What happens to Nancy and Sheila in the Mansion of the Doomed is so horrifying, we can't even hint at it on this radio station. Mansion of the Doomed is so shocking, it will never appear on television. Some films you see, some you feel. You'll feel Mansion of the Doomed. You'll never forget Mansion of the Doomed. Lita Ford, Devil in My Head, on The Big Scary Show.
Sometimes the angels are watching over me to rescue me. And sometimes I feel lucky to be alive. I don't know why I keep coming home to the devil in my bed. Yeah, I keep coming home to the devil in my head. Can the ghost of a blind man see in the mirror of time? Does the soul of a thief steal mercy from the scene of the crime? Love don't come easy for a lonely soul like me. I find myself in trouble. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunted attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Hi everyone, it's Drew Badger. This is Deadline News for episode 246. And once again, we've got sad news from the industry. This time from the Harlan Haunt Fest in Harlan, Kentucky. We have lost a great man, Earl McKinney Jr., who passed away on September 18th at the age of 65. He was a reserved person, but once you got to know him, you were rewarded with a great friend. For decades, he and his friends put on events such as a yearly spook house, Halloween rock shows, and most notably, Harlan Haunt Fest beginning in 2014. 
Junior was so talented in many ways, but his art was breathtaking. Perhaps his best quality was his humbleness. He put on so many events throughout the years, but never cared if anyone knew who was behind them. His goal was to provide a fun experience for everyone and give them something cool and safe to do during the spooky season. Harlan was a better and more vibrant place thanks to him, and in his absence he will be sorely missed. Legends live on though, he may have left us, but he will not be forgotten. The Big Scary Show sends its deepest condolences to the family and friends of Earl McKinney Jr. and the Harlan Hauntfest family, and offers up this moment of silence. We have this update from the son of Monster Palooza in Burbank, California. Hi everyone! Unfortunately, due to increased Delta variant concerns among many participating artists and presenters involved with the event, we sadly are postponing our return until next year. We only want to return once everyone is safe and welcome. That is the only way we can feel we can have a great show for all. Stay safe, the Monster Palooza family. Regarding ticket refunds, all tickets are being refunded by Eventbrite. If you don't see your refund within two weeks, please contact Eventbrite support. Hotel reservations are fully refundable as long as you cancel them this month. Make sure you cancel your hotel reservations. You can do this either online via your hotel confirmation receipts or by calling the Burbank Marriott. Their phone number, if needed, is 818-843-6000. Keep up with more updates at monsterpalooza.com. We have this news from the Creepy Walk in the Woods Haunted Attraction in Loveland, Colorado. The Creepy Walk in the Woods is thrilled to announce that they will once again be celebrating Halloween this October just west of Loveland, near the Devil's Backbone. Mark your calendars and witness this top-rated supernatural event in person Fridays and Saturdays during the following days in October, the 15th, 16th, 22nd, 23rd, 29th, and 30th. Hours are from 7 to 11 p.m., not recommended for children under 11. Screams will be heard at 1750 Savage Road, just two miles west of Loveland. Look for the signs and the big lights. The Creepy Walk is only open six nights this year, and pre-sale tickets just won't work for the setup. However, they will take cash and card at the ticket booth. For more info, emails preferred, creepywalk at gmail.com, or you can get more information at creepywalk.com. We have this news from the Village of Screams in Little Rock, Arkansas. We're back from beyond the grave. Village of Screams has returned. We'll be opening starting October 1st in our brand new location with three new haunted houses, including the Extreme Interactive Torture Room. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash villageofscreams. We have this update from the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival coming to Atlantic City. Want to play? We're excited to have Jersey's own Alex Vincent at the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival. Alex is best known for his role as Andy Barclay in the Chucky franchise. He's appeared in Child's Play, Child's Play's 2, Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, and the new Chucky series on Sci-Fi. Don't miss your chance to meet Alex Vincent this November 12th, 13th, and 14th at the Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Get more information at NewJerseyHorrorCon.com. 
We have this news from Fright Nights Kentucky in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a big announcement. We've gone to college. Opening October 1st in our new location, 1016 South Broadway, the old Grogan's Medical Supply Building on the University of Kentucky campus. Over 60,000 square feet of indoor terror awaits you. Tickets are going on sale soon, so stay tuned for more info and follow FrightNightsKY.com. We have this news from Blood Manor Haunted Attraction in New York City. Want a little extra horror in your life this Halloween season? Get ready for Nightmare on Beach Street. We're taking over the Beach House in Long Beach, New York to deliver a whole new kind of horror. Prepare yourself for a haunted dining experience and sit down for a meal while being surrounded by your deepest fears. Think you can stomach a meal in your nightmares? Then book your table today. Get more information at bloodmanor.com. And finally, we have this sad news from the Nightmare Factory in Salem, Oregon. This comes to us via Ed Roberts. It is with a sad heart that Oregon School for the Deaf announces that our haunted house, the Nightmare Factory, will once again be closed for the October 2021 season. We had hoped to be in a different place by this time, but with COVID-19 and its variant cases on the rise and the Nightmare Factory taking place on a school campus, we had to make the difficult decision to not open once again. We will continue to work towards getting the Nightmare Factory open and making it even more scary for future visitors. Keep up with updates at facebook.com slash nightmare factory salem remember folks if you have news in the haunted house halloween or horror industries and you want it on the show email it to us news at bigscaryshow.com and we'll get it on the show no news is too big or too small this concludes this edition of the big scary shows deadline news (laughs) <laughs> Greetings, listeners, Greetings, listeners, and welcome. And welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over, Don't that, trip torso. over that torso. It's time, it's time for Between, between the, the Corpses. corpses. Greetings listeners, Meat Hook Jim here, and on this episode of Between the Corpses, I am going to change tack. I have covered a lot of countries, not all of them mind you, but I've covered a lot of countries and their funeral practices, but you know what? I want to go on to one of my favorite subjects, craft beers, and specifically some craft beers I buy just because of the name. So I found a list of horror and Halloween-themed beers that I'm going to be bringing you over the next few episodes of Between the Corpses. So let's just dive right into it and have a pint, shall we? Number one on the list is Halloween Ale from Gritty McDuffie's Brewing Company. Where else to start with an ale name for the season? Gritty McDuff's has been brewing this beer since 1990. Over the years, it has grown to be their most awaited seasonal. This classic extra special bitter brings the colors of the season to the glass and a full malt profile to the palate with just enough hoppiness to keep the malt in check. It's a perfect pairing for a crisp, 
All Hallows Eve evening. And as I mentioned, it is an extra special bitter, bitter with an ABV of 6.0. And what makes it special? It's right there in the name, extra special. The Halloween pairing suggestion is candy corn. I'm not too sure about that. And suggested in a mug or a pint. And it is available from September to November. The second beer on my list is a beer I have enjoyed several times, and it is Evil Dead Red from Ale Smith Brewing Company. You need a special beer to accompany a quiet evening on the porch. Feet up as you watch the dead rise again, be it in the form of hundreds of screaming neighborhood kids or hopefully the real thing. Well, here it is, an ale to give you the backbone to weather either occasion. It brings a sweet richness of bready and caramel flavors flitting across the palate with just enough hop to balance and keep the rising malt from completely overrunning and making zombies of your taste buds. And I like this because it is an amber ale with an ABV of 6.66%. What makes it special? Cherry red and the 6.66 ABV. The Halloween pairing is caramel apples, um, suggested glass is a mug or a pint, and it is available from September through October. And number three, and the third on the list for this episode of Between the Corpses, The Beast from Avery Brewing Company. Release The Beast. This is only one of Avery's three Demons of Ale and will truly send lesser men trembling in awe and fear at this palate-busting, in a good way, beast. Dare you suffer its scourge and savagery? Big as big can be, this grand crew is awash with complexities, bringing the use of molasses, raisins, plums, dates, and rum to create a mouthfeel akin to robust, thick wine. Think you can handle it? If you find yourself too scared to take the plunge, don't worry. The beast can remain caged and stored for a long, long time. Maybe next Halloween. As mentioned, the style is a grand crew. The ABV is a very strong 15 to 17 percent. What makes it special? Dates, molasses, dark Belgian candy sugar, Colorado honey, raisins, and turbinado. Halloween pairing? Twix. Suggested glass is a snifter, and it's released in the month of August. Well, that's first on the list of Halloween and horror-related beers. I'm hoping you guys like this new tack I'm going on, because I've got plenty to go through, and I've had a whole bunch of these. So I will catch you on the next episode with more Halloween craft beers. Enjoy the season. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs>
Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so you know, the thing was with real estate years ago was that if a house was haunted or you had weird things going on, it wasn't something you brought up at the disclosure. Not something you really mentioned or said because it wasn't a very popular thing. It wasn't wasn't something that would help you sell the house. It would actually usually detract people from purchasing the house. Uh, to a point where over the years there have been lawsuits and such over it. You know, people saying, oh, you didn't tell me a house was haunted. Have them go in there and have courts decide what was haunted and what needed to be disclosed and how you could prove that and go with it. Well, things are starting to swing the other way, and this housing market has just gotten so hot, and prices are so high that, um, the ghosts are looking to sell, people! They are looking to sell, and they're looking to cash in big. Um, the biggest news is, this week, The Conjuring House in Rhode Island. That's right, the house made famous about ten years ago, uh, with the Conjuring movie that came out, and, you know, even was part of a lawsuit, as people would be wandering on a property, trespassing and the poor people who are living there. Well, a few years ago, it was bought by a couple up in Maine who've been using it, opening up to paranormal investigation. Well, that's actually blown up so much as a business that they're having trouble managing it and, you know, doing what you need to daily stuff and still have their place up in Maine and their family and everything. So this week, they're looking to sell, and, you know, they want to sell to the right buyer and um, keep honoring the overnights have been booked for the next year and um, you know they want to see it kept as you know open to paranormal investigations and part of a business of it it was actually something they had not anticipated when buying the house they're also looking to make quite a profit off it the ghosts have really helped them out you know it's almost going for an asking price three times as much as the house was purchased for a few years ago so uh, there's a market there people and that's not the only one if you look around right now in your real estate and stuff you know mansions are skyrocketing in price and they're not afraid to tell you it's haunted that's right, you can look at your local real estate stuff, you see a big spooky mansion, they're going to tell you that there's a ghost story, it comes with Henry Bob or whoever is there with it, they're, they're going to tell it to you, hoping to drive the price up. You know, the Conjuring House isn't even the most expensive one going in Rhode Island, we have a bunch of mansions in Newport, the Seaview Terrace Mansion in Newport was actually where the old soap opera Dark Shadows was filmed back in the late 60s and early 70s. Well, that one's going for like a crazy $29, $30 million. It's huge and it's a mansion, but it comes with ghosts. So that's a big thing now, folks. Um, If you're looking to cash in, talk to your ghosts and you might be able to make a pretty penny. Haunted attractions aren't just the only haunted attractions that are making a dollar nowadays. Until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Storm. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee, and one of our show favorites, known this man now for, gosh, 11 years, 
Met him in 2010 in Orlando at HauntCon. He's here at CreepyCon in Tennessee. The star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Leatherface himself, Mr. R.A. Mihailov. How you doing, sir? Rabbit Badger, it's been a while. <laughs> since, it's been a while since we talked on the mic. Yeah, but we talked back in Trans World. You were doing a little meet and greet there, which was kind of cool. I introduced you to the man who did your uh, DVD and Blu-ray cover. I thought that was kind of cool, and uh, he really enjoyed talking to you, Paul. There, so shout out to Paul. So you have not done a show since Trans World, I understand, but uh, a lot of cool things are going on out here. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, Starting this weekend, it's Go Man Van Go. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty much nonstop uh, from now until Halloween night for me. Really? Yes, sir. So, I mean, I know there's cons and comic cons and horror cons almost every weekend of the year, but uh, so you're doing a lot of personal appearances or are you doing filming stuff? What are you doing? Uh, <clears throat> personal appearances. Would you like to hear my schedule? Uh, it, Including this weekend. We got time. Throw it out there. <laughs> well, as you said in your introduction, this weekend we're in Knoxville, Tennessee at CreepyCon. Next weekend I'm in Gettysburg, uh, Creature Feature. Sure. The, uh, then I think I have a week off. Then it's down to Dallas for Texas Frightmare Weekend. Nice. Then I go from Dallas to fabulous Las Vegas. Jason Dead. No, no. Mortal Con. Mortal Con. The, oh, mor- the, the Mortal Kombat gaming experience. Oh, good lord! And you know they added Leatherface to the sure. to the Mortal Kombat uh, uh, game, so I've been asked to represent Leatherface. You need to uh, you need to bring back your wrestling character and have them uh, put that in Mortal Kombat. I I cannot remember what the name of it was, but it was pretty cool. Well, let me tell you something right now, brother. <laughs> I don't think you know who you're dealing with. I'm Brute Bronson, the Iron City Savage. I'm the Bull of the Woods, the Cock of the Walk, the King of Cog Island. Men fear me, women love me, children adore me. I am the heavyweight champion of the world. Gotta love it. So after uh, after you hit a shot in Vegas, where are you headed? Uh, then uh, I'm going to Alabama near Macon. I'm at Alabama near Birmingham. Then I think I have a dark weekend. Uh, usually that drives me crazy, but uh, I'm not fretting it this year. Sure. Then uh, the second weekend of October, I'll be in Georgia near near Macon. I'm going to be at a haunt, and we're, uh, we're we're doing something in con- in conjunction with the Georgia State Fair. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, then after that, I go to uh, Myrtle Beach. After that, then I go to Scarefest in Lexington, Kentucky. That's one of our favorite shows. Don't know if we'll be able to make it out this year with the scheduling, but I love Scarefest. And we talked to Scarefest a few years ago, too. We saw you. The Scarefest people are, the Scarefest owners are right here right now sitting with me. <laughs> Very They're nice. They're all gabbing, or we'd have them say hi. But uh, We'll have to talk to them a little later. Um, yes, I agree. It, 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 I, I, I'm on record. It's one of the best, if not the very best, cons in the country. It's a big one, and we've been there many, many years. Love it. As we love this one and pretty much every show we go to, you have to love them, man. They're just so fun. Yeah. So that takes me up to the third week of October. And then for the fifth or I've lost count, but for the fifth or sixth year in a row, I will finish out the season through Halloween night 
at Pinhead's Graveyard in their new indoor walkthrough haunt in Candler, uh, North Carolina, just west of Asheville. And my daughter goes to UNC Asheville, so I'm going to have to take her up there, and we're going to have to make a stop at Pinhead's Graveyard and uh, have a chat. She's been dying to go to uh, to go to a haunted house this year. She didn't get to go to anything last year because of COVID, but uh, she is so looking forward to visiting some stuff this year. So we'll have to come see you at the end of October. Sounds like a plan, man. Absolutely, man. Always good talking to Mr. R.A. Mihailov here. For people wanting more information about your very busy schedule right now, is there a social media or a website where your schedule's listed? No. <laughs> So you're just gonna you're just gonna have to look at various haunts and various cons and hope he's at your show. I'm not an internet guy. <laughs> One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet at any convention, Mr. R. A. Mihailov, despite the fact he'd probably chainsaw you in half other than shake your hand. And certainly don't let him get you in a camel clutch or a surfboard because you ain't getting the savage out. brutal. The savage brutal oh. I'm, I'm not even going to go there. The, but most, it, the most devastating hold in sports entertainment, brother. That's even better. That looks even worse than the Iron Claw. Yeah. No. Baron Von Raschke, eat your heart out. You got this guy here. All right, Mihailov, always a pleasure to have you here on The Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger. We are here at CreepyCon in Knoxville, and we're out. Oh, shit. What? Or as I like to call him, Rabid Badger. There you go, because I'm a little foaming at the mouth right now after... Trying to talk down with you. We're going to have to do some wrestling talk here in a little bit, but uh, that's another show. <laughs> I'm here at CreepyCon, and we're out. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free music does mean once again it is time for the round table of terror here on the big scary show haunted houses are open it is the season it has begun everybody is happy and having a good old time some have been open for a couple of weeks some are opening this weekend some will be opening next weekend but let's not forget the other haunted houses that are out there once again for professional haunts for a brief two-month period of time we are all excited and giddy and running to every single haunt that we can find but for the other 50 or so weeks of the year there are real quote-unquote haunted houses out there that a lot of people who enjoy these kind of haunts enjoy those kind too they go out in the middle of the night and they go into very, very spooky or very, very unspooky places, and they try to find evidence of paranormal activity. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people enjoy it. It's big business on TV. There are movies about it, and there are people from all over the country 
every weekend of the year going someplace that is supposedly haunted. Are things haunted? Do ghosts exist? Who can say? I'm sure a lot of these people believe they have seen things that they can't explain. I've seen things that I can't explain. I know Meat Hook Jim has done investigations. So let's talk to some people who do paranormal investigations. They have been, some of them have been doing it for literally decades. Um, if you were listening to the last show on CreepyCon, you remember this guest. His name is Ronnie Headley. He's with the Tennessee Paranormal. He is out of Lynchburg, Tennessee. He has been investigating paranormal activity for over 40 years. Ronnie, are you with us, sir? Yes, sir. Thanks for having us tonight. Always glad to have you back on the show, sir. We, had, we enjoyed having you so much at CreepyCon. We had to bring you back for the roundtable. So. <laughs> we appreciate it. Really enjoyed creepy con with you. It was a lot of fun. We'll do it again next year. Going yes, down sir. to going down to Florida, down to Ruskin, Florida. We have Chance Hancock. He is with the Genesis Paranormal, I believe, GPS out of Tampa. He's been investigating roughly twenty years. He does a paranormal radio show out of Tampa. Welcome, Chance. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. It is. A great top, great time to have you on the air. Everyone's thinking haunted houses, and I'm sure maybe we'll get a uh, little bit of information about your paranormal radio show. So Absolutely. We'll definitely talk about that. And up in Rhode Island with the Paranormal Legend Society, we have two guests. We have Adam Sanders, who lives in Warwick. Hmm, wonder who else lives in Warwick. And Dennis Smale, who lives in Charlestown, both of them in Rhode Island. Both of them have been with the Paranormal Legend Society for some time. And welcome, Adam, and welcome, Dennis. Thank you. I appreciate getting invited on. I look forward to having, uh, you know, the, the para community come together. Yeah, same here. And uh, thanks for having us on. Excellent. And speaking of people who live in Warwick, Rhode Island, I want to introduce our host for this evening. Up in Rhode Island, we have Storm. Uh, greetings and yeah no it's not the other you know investigators some of you might have known from uh, warwick rhode island but or or live pd or any other weird stuff we got walking around just me being weird and watching as leaves turn and fall in my pool <laughs> fantastic down in cincinnati ohio somebody who's done an investigation or two and i believe has a big investigation coming up in 2022 we have meat hook jim i do and i've i've done quite a few in my day i've i've been to places like uh, Waverly Hills and, uh, you know, the West Virginia State Penitentiary. And I'm really excited because next September, I'm going to the Conjuring House in Rhode Island. Hmm. Maybe you can hook up with a couple of our guests while you're there. My Absolutely. Name <laughs> My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have never been on a paranormal investigation, but I do have a couple of interesting stories of things that I cannot explain. And maybe one of these days I'll get out there and spend the night in a creepy house and, and hopefully something will happen. But uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. And I will throw out the first question. And I'll start off with Ronnie on this because he's been doing this a long time. Ronnie, you were doing this before it was trendy and before TV discovered it really. What got you into doing paranormal investigations when i was uh, about 12 years old my grandmother's sister passed away and i actually had her apparition come to me um 
the night that she died and tell me that she was okay. And then later on, that was always in the back of my, my mind. And I was a paramedic and a funeral director. And when I started working in the funeral home, um, the owner's great grandfather that started the business in the 1800s, I saw him walking down the stairwell one night and I uh, found out that's who it was. So then it was just like wide open. There were very few of us that were doing it at the time. Uh, so we'd run across each other once in a while, compare notes on how to get started to investigate. And, you know, this is well before the internet and this is well before, you know, social medias and things. So how, how does one in Lynchburg, Tennessee, uh, find other people to go out and do investigations? Uh, we actually founded Tennessee Paranormal many, many years ago, and uh, we have a, a great team. We host uh, ghost walks. There's 16 businesses in paranormal, uh, of paranormal activity in Lynchburg. We've investigated about 14 of them. Uh, we uh, not only do the ghost walk, but we have the Moore County Jail Museum that was built in 1893 and used to 1990 with murders, suicides, lynchings, and all that occurred there that we actually host investigations for teams and the public. Wow. So I assume Lynchburg has got a reputation as a quote-unquote haunted town? Absolutely. Uh, when we first came in, um, there weren't a whole lot of folks talking to us. We had one of the locals carry us in because they were old moonshiners and raised not to talk to outsiders. So with one of the locals carrying us in and carrying us around town, we would go into the buildings and they say, yes, we've got things happening in here, but we don't tell anybody because they'll think we're crazy. So it just kind of went from that to people seeing us in town, seeing us doing research and they would come in and say, Hey, I've been here all my life and it's not just here. I live this way and it's at my house too. So we wound up with a lot of investigations in the area. Interesting. Uh, Adam or Dennis, um, how haunted is Rhode Island and what made you guys if you weren't the founders, what made it you guys decide to join the Paranormal Legend Society? And do you know how it was founded if you weren't the founder? So the Paranormal Legend Society, the PLS represents one of our, our current co-founder and then two relatives of hers and him. Um, so the PLS actually stands for one of their names. Um, I'd been investigating by myself for a long time. Um, I was with another group and it's, uh, as these guys know, it's very hard to set things up, get all the equipment there, listen to everything and then report back. So that's why I joined PLS and uh, Rhode Island is definitely haunted. Adam? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, we were, we're one of the original 13 colonies and it uh it has a lot of history behind it and a lot of the places that we do around here has tremendous activity um but i i started with this group in pls for about two years ago and uh yeah they uh they're a great group of people um we're more of a a family than a a group um but yeah when you go to the Condren house jim uh definitely hit us up because uh that's on my to-do list definitely uh, I definitely will. Um, I've got the date planned. It is uh, September 9th, 2022. Uh, and I am beyond excited. I've been buying new gear 
ever since I got scheduled. I actually bought a um, an eight camera DVR system with 1080p cameras from from uh, Home Depot for less than 200 bucks. That's great. All I had to do was put a hard drive in it. So yeah, my uh, my family actually lives directly behind the Condren House in, in Harrisville. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a great great area. Rhode Island is is it's small, but it's booming. Oh, is it booming? <laughs> Chance, how how about things in in Florida, real quick? Um, you say you do radio and and all that. How did you get into investigations and then start a radio show? <laughs> um, well, it started off with me. It happened when I was like in between eight and nine years old. Um, I lived in Bradenton, Florida, uh, Bradenton, Florida at the time. And I had some really bad things that happened in the home, you know, when I was a child, um, things that registered more with me as possibly being paranormal. And then of course the older I got, um, you know, it's one of those things you always question, was it overactive child's imagination or did it really happen? You know? And so as I got older, I started doing my own research, which turned into me, you know, joining with other people, investigating. Then I turned around and opened up my own investigation team. And as time went by, I hosted, well, I co-hosted one night with a friend of mine on their radio show. And uh, it was uncensored. And I got dubbed the bad boy of paranormal. <laughs> so it, it just kind of came on. And then after that, I started doing radio, you know, for paranormal talk shows, uh, created our own. And like I said, now we're actually on radio and iHeartRadio and everything else. Very interesting. How does um, how does one become a bad boy of paranormal? It was more the language. It wasn't the uh, personality. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm making sure I keep it clean for your show today. <laughs> you, can keep it, you can keep it PG 13, so you can throw the occasional out there, but hey, it's for the kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it we uh, I became one of the co-hosts of a of a uh, podcast show called DeadX Radio. And DeadX Radio, we became a monster of a paranormal talk show. We did paranormal horror and sci-fi. We talked to celebrities from all the different genres. Uh, we spoke to like Alice Cooper, you know, one day. The next time we're talking like Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. And uh, But we were very raw, very raunchy. And we had that good run for about three or four years. And then we kind of just took a break. And that break turned into like two years. And then that's how I, I wound up getting an offer to come back to radio because people want me to come back. So, Very nice. Storm, I think I cut you off there. I apologize for that. Uh, oh, no worries. No, I, I was losing count that we're hitting everybody, too. Because, you know, one of the neat things with just talking, you know, hearing the stories and how everybody got into it. And the thing that I really like about, you know, paranormal investigation is a lot of the lost history that it pulls up because so much research is done and such neat stories and, and little things that are like overshadowed by the larger historical events of the area can get pulled up and, you know, all the, the lore can, uh, of, of any area can really be refined through any uh, paranormal society that's working in the area. As long as they're doing some type of work to it, they're going to dig up some of this history and find some of these neat stories and, and just 
you know, things out of the mainstream, especially here in the Northeast, you know, always grew up and it's a, it's a founding. You, you think there's only like five founding fathers, you know, it's the, the, the big names. If they're on a, if they're on money, you know about them, but you know, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, there are all these neat little places where there's all kinds of things going on. And, and, and then, you know, not only do you get to see this history, but when you go and investigate this type of thing, you sort of live it, especially if you have an experience. Um, you know, I'll probably start off with uh, the guys local to me. Um, what's one of the one or two of the neatest historical places you guys have been able to visit? Well, we're, we're very fortunate. Um, are you familiar with Smith's Castle in North Kingstown? Yes. Yeah, I, I know of it. I haven't gotten out there for any events or anything. Uh, they do so many neat things. But uh, yeah, I do know of it. So Smith's Castle is actually our home base. So we do monthly paranormal investigations to the public. And by doing that, we raise money for Smith's Castle. You know, and you're talking about the Northeast, you know, you think about the Great Gatsby, you know, you're right here in Rhode Island. Everybody thinks it was a tea party. It wasn't. You know, um, Smith's Castle goes back to the 1600s. Um, the Smiths bought it from Roger Williams. It has been a trading post. It has been a plantation. Um, it has been a dairy farm. It was taken over by the Navy. That history is just an incredible, incredible thing. I live in Charlestown. I have Ninegret Park right down the road from me. World War II training ground. Uh, you'd be amazed how many crashes there were in Rhode Island. You know, uh, we have, you know, we have the Narragansett tribe here. There, there's so much history here. Um, it, it sometimes gets overwhelming. Are you familiar with that? for me hmm. ashaway rhode island oh yes yep yep okay you go down into Ashaway. i i can take you to two houses that were part of the underground railroad mm -hmm. people don't realize that that history is here it's really neat too you brought up some stuff that uh, i probably our co-hosts and uh listeners aren't even familiar with al rhode island i grew up in new jersey and you know i hadn't heard about stuff like the gatsby and they the gatsby was um, well, pretty much a bunch of Rhode Islanders, instead of just having a tea party and throwing stuff over, they went out and they burned one of the British ships in the uh, right. bay. And it's actually, you know, one of the things that started off the Revolutionary War to actually turn into a war than just a little, you know, somebody's upset in the colonies type of thing. It's, you know, we mean business. We just burnt a boat. Right. Hmm. You know, and, you know, Ad Adam can tell you, too, we've done Nathaniel Green. We've done Fort Adams. You know, we don't really have to go out so much from our area. We like to, don't get me wrong. But, you know, that type of history you can't get. You know, you're going back to the King Philip's War, you know, which is what helped find, you know, get the colony into a true colony. And the ironic thing is, too, you guys have also had events with some things which might be a little bit more modern, such as battleships stationed uh, up in Massachusetts and some of the other things in the area. Yeah, we uh we just did the USS Salem uh, a couple weeks ago, and that was actually pretty awesome. Uh, but uh, Nathaniel Green, like Dennis was saying, uh, we we just did that recently as well. And uh, he was a major general of the Continental Army, and he's one of the reasons why we actually won the Revolutionary War. And uh, we were able to to go to his his homestead, and uh, that was that was interesting. 
what's fascinating is that, you know, there's so much history involved and, you know, I have to ask a question. Were you guys aware of all this history prior to starting this or were you guys interested even in history prior to starting research on an area, whether you're in Florida or whether you're in Tennessee or Rhode Island, were you guys already interested in the history of your areas before this? Or did it just kind of develop as you as you started researching things? I, I definitely have always had a, an interest with uh, history and science, um, especially like when I got into the military. I, I think really honestly, when I went into the military, really got me more focused on, you know, it started off like naval history because I, I served in the Navy and then the Coast Guard. And oh. from there, <laughs> but Navy from there, and the Coast Guard, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's OK. Yeah, I was a lineman in the Navy two tours in the Gulf. Um, so whenever I got done, you know, with the military, it, that it really kind of hung with me about history. And I started actually learning more and more actually about my hometown, like in Sarasota, Florida, which is my actual hometown, uh, multiple generations of my family, uh, come from Sarasota. There are streets named after my family there. Interesting. Cool. I, I lived in Bradenton and Sarasota as well. So, uh, I may have drawn driving across some roads that are named after your family. That's a possibility. <laughs> I assume you have gone to St. Augustine and, and some of the older, other older towns in Florida. For oh yeah. Stations. Yeah. I've been to St. Augustine all around like central Florida, uh, down to Key West, uh, investigated Robert the doll. Um, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much all over Florida really. Is that primarily where you go? Do you go up into Georgia or Alabama, Mississippi, or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, like, in Savannah, Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama. Yeah, I've been kind of all over. Okay. Ronnie, when we had you on CreepyCon a couple of weeks ago, you talked about you go all over Tennessee, but do you also go into Kentucky or any of the other places, or what's the farthest you've traveled for investigations? Uh, I go all over. I have uh... – been to St. Augustine, and I've been to Key West with Robert the Doll, uh, Rose Hall in Jamaica. Um, I just everywhere. Um, I used used to have a a living history camp. I've always been interested in history, so researched a lot of the places, the battlefields, and things like that, and gone to places like that. Very nice. I do want to remind everybody you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking paranormal and paranormal investigators with our very special guest, Chance Hadcock, Adam Sanders, Dennis Smale, and Ronnie Headley, along with Storm Meat Hook Jim and myself. We're going to take a very short break to pay a bill, and we will be right back. Mount the stairs. Hold your light steady. Something waits for you in the dark corners of the attic. Jerry Vane immerses you in the corrupted innocence and haunted obsession of the attic. The latest instrumental soundscape from the Haunt Rocker. Download now at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. The Attic. Horror waits above. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror. We are talking paranormal and paranormal investigations with our very special guest, Adam Sanders, Dennis Smale, Ronnie Headley, and Chance Hadcock, our hosts. 
And gentlemen, uh, I, I know this is a great and bad thing to talk about. You know, what are your opinions on over the last 20 years or so, all these paranormal TV shows, ghost hunters and ghost this and ghost that, you know, it, it's done some good things and maybe some not so good things for the paranormal industry. What are your opinions on this? I would say, first off, that it's been great because like with TV shows like Ghost Hunters, you know, making it more mainstream, it, it, it made it trendy. It made it popular for people to talk about the hauntings they've experienced and such. And people start opening up to it and they actually are like comfortable to have you come to their business or their home, you know, to have you investigate. So it's opened the doors and helped a lot in the paranormal field, I think. But on the flip side of that coin, sometimes you'll get the occasional show that may put out like the wrong information. And, and I'll give you an example, like with Zach Baggins. Uh, they were talking about investigating Robert the Doll, and everybody was saying Robert the Doll. That was the uh, the basis for Chucky from Child's Play. And I, I made a comment one time to some people about it. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. And they're like, well, how do you know? You know, Zach Baggins investigated it. And I'm like, because I'm friends with Tom Holland, the guy who created Chucky and directed the movie. He knew not one thing about Robert the Doll when he created that movie. So it's good and it's bad. <laughs> I, I think one of the problems that we have too, because um, we host public paranormal investigations. Um, everyone thinks it's a ghost tour. And, you know, we take them through our equipment, how to use it. But not everything is paranormal. And not every day do you see a ghost. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of people, they see those production companies come out. You know, we have one night to go through, record everything, and then get back to you. It's tough when everyone's like, well, where's our evidence? Where's our evidence? Guess what? Sometimes you don't get evidence every single time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some places aren't haunted. You might think it's haunted, but you go there and, you know, you go, you, you look in their attic and you see, you know, you see droppings, um, you know, or rats or, you know, an old building is just settling. That's kind of tough, too. You know, don't get me wrong. Anyone, I don't say your place isn't haunted, but if I don't find anything, it's going to be haunting, but I didn't find anything at this time. Maybe it didn't like me that day. Who knows? And that's tough, too, because, the, you know, you've got hundreds of people working on a production you've got several people shooting different camera angles you have someone who's listening to all their evidence that makes it tough when you're dealing with the public you know i've got to agree with you dennis and i want to embellish on that a little bit as as people get into uh shows like ghost hunters and ghost adventures and whatnot and they have this misconceived notion that there's constant evidence going on where as paranormal investigators, we can sit in there for hours and nothing happens, if anything. But people think mm -hmm. because it shows that they're going to get all that they think, oh, I'm going to go be a paranormal investigator. They go out by a K2 meter and a couple other things, and they think they're going to get evidence, 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 evidence. And it's not there because no. yeah. It, not a yeah. dance monkey dance 
like I, I tell everybody, this. it's not a dog and pony show. You know, they just don't perform for you like, you know, out of the blue just because you're there. Yeah. It's, if you can have a ghosts, chance. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, if you can have ghosts work on cue, we'd all be in Vegas making money. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I have a trademark slogan. Uh, paranormal happens when paranormal happens. And uh, absolutely. When you have shows like this and if, if you investigate a hundred, hundred locations, maybe 40 of them have activity. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not every place is haunted. Like Dennis was saying, uh, we, I mean, a lot of history. I, I love history and there's a lot of history behind places. You go to them and you, like one person says, it's like the telephone. Uh, one person says this place is haunted and it goes down the line. You walk into that place. Oh, it's dark and spooky. It's haunted. Not every, not every place is haunted. Yeah. Those shows did those shows were pioneers of, of our modern day industry. Oh, absolutely. Makes you wonder if the ghosts get there and go, ah, oh, here come some investigators. Are we gonna give them a show tonight or not? Let's see, guys. Let's start moving some stuff. But you know what though? On the flip side of that same coin with the television shows, like a uh, prime example, like with Ghost Hunters, they may go to a location and actually be there for two weeks of filming. They gotta then turn around and cram that two weeks into a 45 minute segment and, you know, allowing for commercial breaks for that one show and still make it interesting, you know, where people like us doing these real investigations, we got day jobs, everything else, you know, we may only get just one night at that location and that's it. You know, it, it, it's a hit or miss. We do this for exactly. But like I, like I tell people too, you know, when I started this, it was kind of taboo living here in the Bible belt. So a whole lot of people didn't talk and then taps came in on TV and they opened up the door for everybody. And then the next thing you know, you've got all the psychic mediums and all this shows coming out. And, you know, it's been good for us, but it's been bad for us, too, because I've got I can count them on two hands how many psychics and everything when I first started, because they were on TV actually serving uh, solving crimes and everything, you know, uh, for cold cases and things like that. They were being interviewed all over. But as soon as it became on TV, every team had one or two that just popped up everywhere, you know? So now there's like thousands of them. So it kind of hurts us and our reputation on some of it too. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, very true. Of course, you got the you know, people that pay for that privilege of going on an investigation and, and how angry do they get when they just realize they've sat all night in the house and nothing has happened except maybe a speck of dust has flitted past a flashlight or something. Very true. <laughs> Did you hear that, Adam? A speck of dust. All right. I'm a very, I'm, I'm a very big orb. orb. I'm sorry. Orbs. <laughs> a very sorry. big advocate for orbs. Um, but so we, we've, we've touched on ghost adventures, ghost hunters. Uh, but the, the team that actually got me really into this was Paranormal State out of Penn State. Uh, those mm-hmm. guys, those guys were, were amazing. Um, and the reason why I say those guys on Paranormal State was because, you know, you, ghost hunters would go to these big locations they would do residential but mainly like big locations and uh but pen but paranormal uh state actually went to like homegrown places and try to actually help it was why why i started this i i i want to help people when i was younger i i was scared daylights from what happened to me uh so when i was watching that uh they made it like okay to be afraid but uh but also okay to like ask questions about what else is there and to look into the paranormal.
Absolutely. You know what? One of the things too, like when you talk about being afraid, that is like my number one rule with anybody who investigates with me or investigates with my team. Do not run. <laughs> and I don't mean, and, and seriously, I don't mean because like I expect you to be this tough guy, you know, and stand there and take on the devil himself. No, it's because many of investigators have lost their shins to coffee tables in the dark because they yeah. panicked on something and ran. Well, I'm going to tell you something, guys. I had a priest in the 80s that actually uh, told when he found out what I was doing, he said, look, I know you're not Catholic, but if you're doing this kind of thing, you need to know how to protect yourself and others. And he sat me down eight weeks with him to study with him and everything. And the number one thing that he first taught me was never show fear, because if it is something bad, then you've shown a weakness and it's got a way to get to you then. So that's one of the things I always instill into my team is no matter how scared you are, try not to show it. To after we're out yeah you know and at the same token too it's like you know just have common sense if you're in a room you're with somebody and you could tell they're visually shook or they're uncomfortable then walk them out of that room calmly you know just get them out calmly get them out in some air and then let them vent you know i mean sometimes things happen you know and like you like you said you know i mean try to stand firm don't just don't panic that's the worst thing in the world to do the normal will hurt you a whole lot faster than the paranormal yeah, we have. Go ahead. Oh, we have. We have one major rule when we do our uh, open to the public events. Uh, you do not call out. You do not try to uh, antagonize uh, because that that spirit might not attach to you. It might attach to somebody else in your your group. And at the end of the day, an attachment's not fun. When I learned my rule about provoking was on an investigation I did at Nelson Glass Factory in Sarasota, Florida, that we try to get whatever was there to move a flashlight. I love that. I love that brick in the head evidence, something that you just can't deny, you know, right. take a flashlight and put it in this like V hold where it can't roll. I wanted to literally have to pick it up and throw it out basically. And we're all standing there and we're like, you know, come on, make the same move, make the same move. You know, if you're there, just throw it out. Just let, I don't care if you break it. I just want to know that you're here. And we heard this loud, like grind noise. That was like real sharp and quick. And when we went back and was examining what happened and caused the noise, it was the forklift next to us had slid the front end sideways by eight inches across oh. the concrete. So at that point in time, I learned that provoking is not smart when it has a strength of a silverback gorilla. It's just not smart. Absolutely. Very, very yeah. true. You know, exactly. Go ahead. We tell... I always tell people when they're taking our tours and everything, you know, that's somebody's mother, brother, father, sister, exactly. you, know, you know, treat them with respect because you'd want to be treated with respect yourself. So hundred percent. And since we're talking about the, the shows, I mean, that I'll be honest, kindred spirits is probably my favorite. Yeah. If, if I'm going to sit down and watch any of those shows, it's yeah, going to be, really? yeah, it, it's going to be kindred spirits. Absolutely. When I, I actually worked on the, the set of them on one of the episodes called Blood in the Water episode. And uh, those were two of the most down-to-earth people that I've ever met. I mean, they were just very, very nice. Um, worked together great. Worked with us great. You know, so uh, I'm, I'm with you. Kendra Spirits is probably one of my favorites. Now, I, I'd like to ask a question to the other paranormal investigators on this um, roundtable and how do you guys feel about the ovalus? Honest opinion. Oh, honest opinion? I don't like it. <laughs> well, honest yeah. opinion. Yeah. Okay. 
the, the, mine Remind well. me, uh, Jim, is that the one that goes through the series of words or is that the one that goes through the um, radio uh, signals? Oh, that goes through the series of words. Okay. Yeah, and, and here's my reasoning behind it. Could, in theory, I mean, let's be real at the end of the day. None of us are experts. Everything we do is trial by error. It's all in theory. So going with that, with the obvious, if in theory it's going through random words, there's always a chance that it could be just a coincidence that that one particular word came up at that one particular time. Okay. Now, if you're doing it and it calls out your name and tells you you're an idiot, okay, I think you got some definitive proof. <laughs> you know? so. my, thing, my thing on it is uh, those are word banks. And, you know, look at your smartphones. If you're talking around a smartphone and everything, pretty soon it gets a pattern of what, and all your ads start popping up or something you're talking about, right? Oh, absolutely. So, so, so what about that is, has it got something programmed into it to where it'll do the same thing? So there's no Algorithm. definitive proof on that. Just like the phone apps. I tell everybody they come in with all, have you tried this app? And have you tried this app? Well, no, because I don't know where that server is. So is this something happening here where I'm at? Or is it happening somewhere where that server is in India or somewhere? Right. Right. Very true. The, the reason for this question is um, back in 2008, I was part of an investigation at Bobby Mackey's in Wilder, Kentucky mm -hmm. uh, with Shannon and Jeff Silvio. And we had an ovulus and it was being extraordinarily quiet. So what they had us do was ask questions and say, are you not speaking because of me? And this went around, you know, we probably had about 25 people. It was a, you know, it was a paid investigation. Um, and we had about 25 people upstairs. The other half were downstairs in the basement. And as we went around the room, it was being very quiet. And then it came to me and I said, are you not speaking because of me? And it clearly said, yes. So be that as it may, I, they asked me to step out of that area. So they moved me into another part of the bar where I was anywhere close to the ovulus. And then it just started, it just started chattering. Uh, was it nonsense? Most of it was nonsense. Yes. However, while I was standing in this other side of the bar, I could hear stuff moving chairs and tables that nobody was around to my left on, on the far side of the bar. Now, see, that's the one great thing about what happened to you. You're getting collaborative evidence at that point because, okay, like I said, about the whole thing about the random, you know, words coming out, you know, could it be coincidence? Sure. But this thing specifically answered a question you asked. But then followed by the event that as soon as you walked out, it starts chattering away. Now you combine that with all the activity that was going on in the next room that you went into. That's collaborative evidence. That, that does kind of help, you know, solidify it to, to at least help back up and prove that what happened with you was real. It wasn't a coincidence. Right. But, you know, let's face it. Everything we use are tools. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, we don't have any definitive proof that our tools actually work. You know, I, I've made a lot of our, our equipment, um, you know, and, and I understand the theory. I understand how it works. It's just a box that I made. If I get a response to that box, you know, then I, then I have, the, again, that, that evidence saying, okay, this tool works. 
Mm-hmm. You, know, you can say that about a REM pod, your spirit box, an SLS camera, K2. You know, all, all of our stuff is tools. Unless you can back it up, you don't have anything more than just a ghost story. And see, and that's exactly it. The collaborative evidence is the one thing that always helps more than anything else. Right. Well, so guys, it's like one of the locations that we talk about on one of our ghost walks. They had a team come in and they had every kind of thing that you could imagine inside there from every show. But what they used all night was a set of dowsing rods. And then they come back and said, we don't think this place is haunted because they couldn't give any evidence. And, you know, dowsing rods is great. But in Lynchburg, it's known for Jack Daniels and the underground spring. So how do you know she's not sitting there over the top of the underground spring and those dowsing rods are going wild because that's what they're originally used for. Right. Oh, yeah. So, you know, so that's, that's my thing. If you get equipment, know what you've got and know how to use it. And uh, our, our main source that we use that we have uh, the best results out of is the Geoport, but it's got an echo, echo pedal and it's got a, a, a reverb pedal and um, a gate pedal in it. So, I'm you know, sorry, we, I don't, I, I don't mean to laugh. I'm building one of those tonight. Really? Yeah. Uh, I had this one built in England and shipped in, and it is really, really fantastic. And um, every tour that we do, we set it out there, and most of the people just amazed by it. Um, we do the jail. Um, we had a lady that had just come on our team. We carried her up, uh, had it sitting upstairs, and uh, soon as she topped the top of the steps, it says, lady, I'm going to rape you. And Ooh. she's like, holy crap, you know? And I'm like, that's not coming from a DJ somewhere, you know? Right. So um, she was like floored by it. And it, it does the same thing to other folks. It's, it, so to me, you know, that's, that's my favorite tool. If I had to just put everything away, that would be the one that I would keep. Yeah. Uh, so well, sorry, Dennis, go. No, go ahead, Adam. Oh no! I was just gonna state. So the Oculus is it's it's an okay tool. Um, I don't use it for anything that we do uh, because it, it is a word bank, and you don't know what's controlling the word bank. Um, but when we do this, the Spirit Box, the SP7, when it's sitting there, and I what I purposely do is I will go through channels. Like I'll start an FM and I'll go through all the, all the channels. So they know it's a legit thing. And if you can hear the radio going and then I actually activate it. And when you start hearing my name, like the Smith's castles, we do uh, my name is called all night long. They we, love all, Adam all night long. Um, but when we, we have another invest, uh, a person that was, that was paying to be there uh, when it's not staying in their name and you see their face, <laughs> that's, that's the best uh that's the best evidence you can get because um what are the odds that your name's going to be called when you're asking questions into a spare box right mm-hmm. i totally agree i totally agree i've seen that happen so many times and the guests are like you know jumping up and down hollering oh my god <laughs> did you hear that you know um so it is totally amazing to watch them. my favorite my favorite thing for me is doing uh, either audio or video and it's not because, uh, trust me, there's a lot of different equipment that I like out there. But like with the video evidence is something I can go back to start trying to formulate what maybe we saw and see if I can't debunk it that sure. way. Um, and with audio, as long as we got full control, you know, of the a controlled environment, I know that the audio has not been messed with. And I'll give you an example. We did an, uh, an investigation um, down in, in uh, Sarasota, Florida, 
and we did the flying Walendas home, you know, Nick Walenda that oh, walked over wow. the, yeah. yeah. So we did the investigation of her home. And at one point, two of my guys were the only two people in the building. We had our cameras everywhere. You know, we had static cameras set up the whole nine yards. We were outside at the time because we we're actually getting ready to, to wrap everything up. So these two uh, decided they were going to go upstairs to do one more EVP session. And then they were going to call it a night. So the one guy looks at the other one and the younger guy, his name's Bo. The older guy turns, looks at him and he goes, Hey Bo, grab that camera. Let's go upstairs. We'll finish up there and then come back down. And those two grab their stuff and they go up, right? Nothing happens. Next day, we're going over the audio, going over the, the cameras. The cameras got audio on them as well. We <laughs> heard the best class A EVP I have ever heard in my life. And as soon as he said, hey, Bo, grab that camera. Let's go upstairs. Right after he finished the sentence, you hear Bo, 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 Bo. Oh. <laughs> and the, the great thing is because everything's on audio, everything's on video. We knew that there, we had definitive proof that no one else is in the house. Not one of them was saying it. And the, and the best thing is, like, the, from the recording from the cameras, plus combined with the recorder that picked it up in his hand, you could tell that it was like standing next to Bo when it said it. Yeah. And, yeah, just one of the most insane moments I ever had with, with that type of a EVP. And, and I know not everyone that. is on. Oh, I'm sorry. No, talk to us. Um, I know everybody is on camera, but I don't know if Adam can pull up who can see the cameras. Um, something that he caught at Smith's Castle um, is incredible. Um, oh, the video? With, I can I can share the video with them. You know, um, where we got an apparition walking across one of the rooms. Wow. That you know, that's cool. that's and when you say, wow. Well, um, we do I, we debunk him. We don't we don't we don't allow it to be like, well, it could be a flashlight. We make sure we go in there and we debunk it. And mm -hmm. We, that particular one, like, you know how like, you were saying how uh, the, the reaction from the person that's there that hears their name jumps up, up and down for joy? Um, well, we had a, a police officer uh, that came. He actually caught the apparition. So he came in the building and uh, he was this big, you know, big police officer. And he, I'm not here for me. I don't believe in this. I'm here for my wife. Um, and uh, he didn't knowingly catch this, but he caught he caught the apparition and then. He also went, went downstairs and the spirit box kept on saying, Stephen, Stephen White, Stephen White. And it kept on saying it over and over. So that I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I remembered that there was a person that was named Stephen there. So I go upstairs. I'm like, Stephen, what, what's your name? Uh, Stephen White. Um, then he's like, he's wearing a white T-shirt. He's, he's a white guy. So I'm like, they're calling you out on the spirit box. Now this guy walks downstairs. He walks maybe 10 feet from the box and he goes, I come in peace. Do, do not hurt me. <laughs> By the end of the night, this big macho cop was a believer, and, and he never box, came back. And he never, he never, he won't. He won't. He won't come back no more. No. Absolutely, that's what I tell them all the time. I said, you know, they'll come in. So I'm only here because of her. And I told them, I said, just come in with an open mind. You know, yeah, yeah. make make your own assumption because I can sit here and show you pictures and tell you stories and let you hear EVPs all night long. But those my experiences, it becomes yours when you're in there and it actually happens to you. 100%. Yep, exactly. But, uh, Absolutely. You know, but the really Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. The, the apparition and everything you're talking about, capturing an apparition, uh, there is a basement underneath one of the buildings in Lynchburg, and it was the 1933 morgue. When they were tearing it, the walls out, they found underneath the sidewalks in there 
looks like vaults standing up under the sidewalk. And that's where they would, when they had the toe pincher caskets, they would dress them, lay them, lean them up in there and take pictures and everything. So some things have been happening there. They called us in. We did an investigation and you can actually see it looks like an apparition of somebody laying in there with their feet drawn up against the wall and their hands on them like they're reposed inside there. So that was one of the apparitions we caught. Uh, we catch things around town all the time like that. Awesome. You know, one of the things that I tell with, with our public investigation, and, you know, I, I feel the same way. One of the best tools that you have is you. Sit there and listen. You know, sit there. Are you feeling anything? You know, nauseous? Are you dizzy? Um, you know, cold chills? You know, Adam's talking about the spirit box. You know, it calls him out all the time. The only thing that calls me is usually something profane for some reason. I don't know why, but <laughs> it's an adventure. When you guys go out and do investigations, are you looking more to prove or more to debunk someone's claim if you go to a new area? Or do you approach those differently? For me, mine's more about disproving because once I can roll out everything possible, the only other answer is paranormal at that point. I, yeah, I look I, at it like a court case. I try to find all the evidence I possibly can. And I go in and, and with the same attitude. You know, I want to try to prove what it's not before I prove what it is, if that makes sense to you guys. Um, like we, were, we, we were sitting in, a, in an area. Um, we were doing a state park for the state and everything and had a couple of guys in there. And uh, there was a several fans in, in this area that we were in and only one of them was turning and they're screaming like, Hey, look, look, there's something going on. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I reach into my kit and put, pick up a anometer and stand up and hold it up. And I was like, Nope, we got enough breeze and draft right here. It's turning this fan. So that's a no go. Um, one of the things that I try to tell everybody that comes in with us is to, to have proper documentation. Uh, don't take just one picture, take three or four in a burst. That way, if you caught something, you, it's, it's not there, it's there, and now it's gone. So yeah, that's that's a way of documenting. Um, when we set our cameras up, we put a camera and a recorder in. Both of those have timestamps on them. Uh, we make sure that the camera is also on any kind of a um, meter or anything we put in there. And some of our meters we use, like the EDI has the SD card, so we can go back if we see it. Um, a motion to alarm go off on a camera at say 1700 we can go pull recordings at 1700 and we can pull uh the sd card at 1700 and compare all three so to me that's that's the way to document it you know i've got to agree with that uh i did an investigation uh, once at the uh, west virginia state penitentiary uh and uh i've actually been there i've actually investigated it twice uh, the first time I went uh, was with my ex-wife, and she was all about orbs. I mean, all about orbs. And we were up in the uh, hospital wing of the of the penitentiary, and she's taking pictures and look at these orbs, you know, digital cameras. Look at these orbs, and I looked at her, and I had a I had a, a recorder in my my chest pocket uh, that was constantly running, and she, and I looked at her, I said, you can't, I said, that's dust. It's not orbs. And then after I reviewed the recorder, after we got home, uh, I checked the timestamp and it said 
what, what did you get clearly? And I sat there and I listened to that and I got, I went, shit, something was around and trying to debunk me debunking the orbs, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're fine. Uh, I was just going to say too, and and one other thing about, uh, you know, like with the question posed about how we approach a case. The other thing too, is I do approach it kind of from a, uh, because of my background kind of coming from a law enforcement standpoint too, that when I go to talk to the client, I'm also, if if I'm in a home, like prime example, and I'm sure you guys have been through this too, doing residentials, but let's say that somebody comes to you and they say their children are being attacked by an unseen force. And and it does happen. I've had those calls. Sure. You guys have had them too. That when I go in that home, the first signs I'm looking for is child abuse is the first thing I'm looking for. Not a ghost. Right. You know, I'm looking for drug usage. I'm looking for all kinds of stuff that could be maybe happening in that home. You know, and that's the thing too, when you get a lot of these, like uh, earlier, one of you guys, I forgot which one said it, you know, watches a ghost hunting show and thinks, oh, I just grab a couple of K2s. I go be a ghost hunter. No, there's a lot more to it that goes with it. It's not just the paranormal aspect, especially if you're doing residentials, you need to learn about people. You need to learn about legalities, you know, and everything else, because you can set yourself up for some serious issues if you don't know what you're doing. Right. Exactly. Like uh, when we get residentials and privates and everything like that, we, I call them and talk to them and we have a list of questions we go through. We, we actually, you know, like no offense, but, uh, uh, do you have any mental health issues going on? Have you had them in the past? What kind of medications are you on? And and that kind of thing. And I'll go through a, a, a list of questions. And then I'll have another one of my teammates. I'll tell them, you know, a couple of days, one of my teammates is going to call you. And they'll go through a set of questions that are similar and we should have gotten the same answers. And mm-hmm. th- th- then we compare it to kind of see from there, you know, is this going to be a waste of our time or is there actually a possibility something's actually going on? Oh yeah. One of the greatest things about schizophrenics, they will not lie to you. If you turn around and say, Hey, have you seen Jesus walk through your house? If they've seen it, they'll say yes. You know, does your TV talk to you, but you know that it's really not talking to you. They'll say yes. They'll tell you flat out. <laughs> they really will. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 I mean, that's the reason we do this, you know, and have have two of us to do it to compare to see if we get the same answers on some of the things too. Well, also when you have like people that call and, and are frantic and they're stating that their children's being attacked or there's, there's, um, you know, a, a, a negative spirit in their house. <clears throat> you, you try to get out there immediately. You try to contact them immediately. Um, and when it takes them like a week to get back to you, it's like, all right, clearly something's something's not right uh when i leave you 13 mm-hmm. messages and you're you're like oh i'm sorry i was at work well you weren't work at work for 13 <laughs> 13 hours straight so you can if, if your kid's in jeopardy you're, you're gonna want to get this resolved as fast as you can right? oh absolutely yeah i have three kids and i look at that like if something i've brought things home with me and scared the daylights out of me and as soon as i noticed something came home with me i tried immediately to get it get away i called all my 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 possible connections and and i ended up getting it resolved but it's if there's children involved you act immediately and people immediately you know something's funny 
Oh, I totally yep. agree. I, I go in immediately if it's children and everything. But one of the 100%. first things that I do too is uh, instead of using just a K2 meter, I use one that we, that will register the K2 meter and, you know, the K, the le- electromagnetic fields in the house and everything. So if it's, yeah. So see if there's leakage that's causing, because some of the leakage can cause, you know, schizophrenia type symptoms and everything and seeing and hearing things itself. So that's one of the first thing I do is go through and check all the electrical outlets, the um, the wiring, the the panel box, and things like that to see what kind of readings we got in the house if it's abnormal. Oh yeah, I I had a homeowner tell me one time that he had all this like demonic activity start up in his home. He never believed in the paranormal before, you know, never had anything to do with that kind of stuff, you know, an, an absolute atheist. And then the day I go to his house to meet him in person and talk to him, and I walk in his home and I find like five books on the occult that you could tell by the dust have been there forever and ever. Amen. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, absolutely nothing about the paranormal. Yeah. Okay, buddy. You know, and every, and every corner I found in his house had something that was of a negative nature that he brought into that home. Mm-hmm. And it was like, <laughs> I, I can't stand dealing with people like that either. You know, it, it's, it's just, it's absolutely just mind boggling why they want to do it. Ouija boards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, somebody says they've got a spirit board or a Ouija board, and I say, well, first of all, you shouldn't be messing with it. And second of all, you don't know what you've brought into your house. What do you mean? It's only Parker Brothers. Exactly. And then uh, did you close it properly? You know, yeah. if you were using it, did you close it properly? Right. Or See, did you just the same thing? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, well, I'm, totally, yeah. I'm totally on board with the boards. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I can't. I can't stand it. Yeah. Oh, it's. And it- no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. And then my flip side favorite too is that every time they have like a, a dish fall in their house, it's a demon. It's automatically a demon. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, first off, let's just say for all intents and purposes that it was something paranormal that made that dish fall over and break. Okay, here's the thing. If you're an asshole on this side, you're probably an asshole on the other. It doesn't mean you're a 100%. demon. <laughs> And, and the thing, too, you know, when you talk to these people, well, I was just on the Ouija board and it was a child. Yeah. If it's a demon, it's going to lie to you. The first yes. thing it's going to do is appear to you as something that you'll trust. And a child is what you're going to trust. So, yeah, go ahead and play with it. Right. So, so can I ask you guys a question? When you guys go to residentials, do you tell the person in the location that you do not call out like a loved one's name? Like, say, say right now if somebody passed away, say my, my mother passed away in uh, 2014, I knew not to ever, like, you know, ask EVPs, oh, mom, oh, yeah, is this yeah. you, or, or like, things of that nature. Like, I've done uh, a personal, um, for my wife's uh, cousin, I did a, a session for her because they just recently lost their father, and mm-hmm. my, my, my first rule is you, first of all, no Ouija boards. Right. I don't care if it's made by Martel, Martel or, or Parker Brothers. If you look at a Ouija board, there is uh, there's things on that board that actually create portals to different dimensions. You don't know. We know more about the ocean than we do the paranormal. So it's we know nothing. But I, I say no, no Ouija boards. And you are not allowed to call out a person's name because if there is a negative entity here or a demonic entity, spirit, anything here, um, they will use that to get into your good graces and for you to open up, you open up, it's over. It's, it's, it's over. The original conjuring. That's all I'm going to say. 
Right. Yeah. All my, all my questions are usually very generic. Like, you know, Hey, is somebody there? Would you like to you know, speak with us? Can you tell me, you know, what's on your mind? You know, very basic generic questions. Now I'll ask them, can you give me your name? But I don't ask, Hey, is this you? Great aunt Martha. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I'm like that too. Yep. Same here. Same here. Yep. Yeah. Same here. I always ask them their name. I don't say, is this, but I'll just try to get a name. Right. Well, we're looking at the clock and we've been doing this about an hour, a little bit, a little bit over maybe. And it's probably time to start winding down just a little bit. But the question, you know, we always ask when we have paranormal people on what has been your most defining experience as a paranormal investigator? The one thing that completely convinced you that, yes, what I'm looking at, what I'm checking out is absolutely real or absolutely memorable. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. Well, for me, it would be two defining moments actually in my own house that I witnessed. Um, one was, uh, I used to have this Australian shepherd and uh, he was kind of a, a beefy guy. <laughs> you know, So if I had like a, a soft uh, you know, leash to walk him on, he would like bite right through it in like 30 seconds. So I had to buy like a thin metal chain one to keep him from chewing through it when I took him on walks. I'd always had it hanging on the uh, on the wall by the front door, so I could just grab it whenever I took him out, you know, for his walks. And it was an attachment that happened. Um, it came from an investigation to my home that it got bad enough. I had to call my team in to investigate my own home. And at this one point, me and one of the other investigators was looking toward the door, and I literally watched the leash bend 180 degrees up into like a loop, like somebody grabbed it you know, by the bottom and picked it straight up and then just dropped it. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was uh, actually watching uh, from the attachment, a little boy run through the middle of the living room that was not one of mine. Wow. And it wasn't just me. There's a couple of people who had witnessed that. So, yeah. Mine would have been um, a couple of them also. Catch, catching some apparitions and photos and videos. Um, that's pretty much, you know, right there in your face type thing. Um, but I've investigated some of the Civil War battlefields and everything, too. And I used to work with a team that hosted overnight investigations in one of the homes that, that was on the battlefield. And uh, I, one night I was taking guests in and I always tell them, you know, um, treat them with respect, like we said before. But I'd go in and I'd say, good evening, and call their names and everything. I, you know, this is Ronnie. I've been in your home many times before. Tonight I brought some friends with me. I uh, hope you come out and speak to us. Uh, from the realm that you're at, I'm, you know, we cannot hear you, but if you speak in our recorder and you've asked me a question, when I come back, I'll give you an answer. And I uh, hope you come out and talk to us tonight. So we were lights out, so I had a flashlight getting everybody up from one one level of stairs. It, it came up, went to a landing, and then turned and went up another one. And I'm holding the flashlight, carrying them up. And a lady asked me a question. And right as I after I answered her question, when I played the recorder back, I had an EVP that said, hi, Ronnie. So that just kind of, whoa. And then the next time I went, one of my teammates caught on an EVP that said, where's Ronnie? So uh, it was kind of right there is the ceiling point for me. Okay. What about you, Adam? 
uh, I have actually uh, three of them. So one, the, the most defining one is uh, my first investigation ever with PLS. I can't say the where the location we went to, but where we went to, um, it was active. I mean, right off rip, it was active. Um, I ended up finishing the night off. I had a bad headache, uh, went home, and I'm pretty sure – 100% positive I brought something home with me. Uh, so I've had activity in my house before to where like things would move around from A to B. It's You'd hear like voices here and there. Um, but my my youngest, she's uh, she's six and she has an infatuation with balloons. If we go to a party, she brings 35 balloons home with her. It's, it's just, it's, it's there. Uh, so now a balloon traveled from the downstairs. Now, you know how when you walk into an entryway, there's a two foot gap when you change rooms, like different entryways, it actually would drop down into each entryway. It would go into the next room all the way to the, to the first floor. I have this on video. I, uh, I live stream my, my uh, Xbox and I'm on live stream and you see a balloon walk, fly, float behind me and then circle me. And then go downstairs and my wife would call me and it's like, do you see this balloon? And it was, it was like terrorizing us until I ended up popping the balloons. It would, it would, I have one AC going and there was no way possible. It was an AC. Um, but the, the number one uh, thing that actually got me um, was my mother. I believe it was my mother. Um, so I'm listening. You ever do a, a, a sensory deprivation where you put, you blindfold yourself, you put the headphones on um, and I'm sitting there and I'm asking random questions and out of nowhere, I get, it's me, Ma. Now I have this on recording. Um, I never call my mother, mom. I always call her Ma. I've always called her that since a little kid. And uh, I, I caught that um, ever since then. It's like, it's just blow my mind, but it's, it's me, Ma. It's just, it killed me. Dennis? Hmm. You might want to turn on your microphone. Sorry about that. There you go. Uh, for me, you know, I, I look at my background, you know, Marine Corps vet. I've also been a nurse for 27 years. Um, I have seen more people die than I ever want to remember. And when I've had, I've had patients say to me, um, I, I had a gentleman one time, um, he, he had a cabbage done, he had his heart done, and he goes, hey, Dennis, what time is it? I said, oh, it's about 11.05. He goes, well, it's time for me to go. And he died. Um, I had a patient one time who said, Dennis, whatever you do, do not put the covers on me. If you put the covers on me, I'm going to die. Well, we had a resident who decided she loved put the covers up and she flatlined immediately. So, you know, I, I look at my background and, you know, I've got some things in my past that, you know, um, you know, as a, as a vet, you don't talk about. And, uh, but I've had many defining moments. Um, but those, those couple of things with my patients, you know, you can't make that up, you know, um, they know when it's time. Um, I can say that uh, the first thing that compelled me to start doing investigation, because I was up until about the year 1999, 
I was a complete skeptic. I mean, of everything. And uh, my ex-wife, uh, who was obviously my wife at the time, convinced me to go to St. Augustine. And we took one of the paranormal tours. And um, I had a, a Sony Mavica. If you guys remember those cameras, it, had, it used a three and a half inch floppy. And we were in front of this uh, bed and breakfast. Uh, they, they told us used to be a funeral home. And I started snapping pictures. Well, the Mavicas took pictures like once every five seconds. That's how slow they were. Uh, and I snapped this picture. And there's, uh, there's this glowing orb, very bright orb. Uh, but you could also see a head and shoulders around it. Uh, and in the second picture that cycled five seconds later, there was nothing there. Um, I sent it to several people in the paranormal community and nobody could debunk it. They kept telling me they saw what looked like to be some kind of soldier from the time. Uh, so that was what really got me interested in, in trying to find out more about the paranormal. Uh, and the second time that really, really convinced me was at Bobby Mackey's. Not only did I hear all that stuff moving where nobody was around, but a little bit later on that evening, our group went down to the basement, you know, the gateway to the portal to hell down there and everything. And we were on the opposite end of that basement. And I was talking to the team lead and there was this black shadow that moved between us for five seconds. I could see nothing. I, it was me and everybody else on the other side of that. I saw nothing for five seconds. Uh, and when it finally cleared, I looked at, at him and he, he looked at me, he goes, did you see that? And I said, absolutely. I said, I couldn't see you guys. And that really, really, you know, amped my game up and said, you know, there's got to be something out there. I want to find out more about it. Well, even though I've never been on an investigation, I will relay this story. I have several and I've mentioned a couple of them over the years, but I don't think I've ever mentioned this one. Oh, uh, you know, one of my projects is I own a consulting company that helps build design train actors for professional haunted houses. And back in 2009, one of my very first clients was the battleship USS North Carolina in Wilmington. I helped them with some of the design work. I trained actors. I did a lot of consulting work with them. And I was there on a Sunday night, about 1030 at night with the program's director at the time and the caretaker, who's also been on ghost hunters. And, um, we were wandering through a potential place that the haunt that they were building on the battleship would, would travel so that the people who would pay money to go through the haunted battleship or the ghost ship as they called it. And we went through this one corridor and at the time they only had the battle lights on. They did not have the regular lights that they do when the daytime tours are going on. So a lot of them are red and that bathes a lot of the rooms in red. And we were standing at the base of a stairs, I believe on the second level, maybe going down to the third. And the room across from us, which was bathed in red light, suddenly this black shadow came across the floor very slowly, like somebody was walking in that red room. And I looked at that and I looked at the programs director and I said, did you see that? She goes, yeah, we see that all the time. We have no idea what causes it. It happens all the time. The caretaker says, I see it probably two or three times a week. There's nobody in there. There's no equipment moving. It's just a black shadow. And that's not the only place on the ship that it happens. 
So that's the only really, really totally 100% unexplained thing that I've ever run across doing something like that. And the fact that I was on a World War II era battleship at 1030 on a Sunday night was creepy enough without seeing a shadow like that. So that that's one of my stories. But uh, as I said, we are needing to kind of wind this down. Do we have any final questions, Jim or other? Um, all I want to know is uh, you guys up in uh, Rhode Island, uh, drop me your info. I want to reach out to you guys when I'm up that way next year. Our, uh, yeah, Facebook us or uh, give us a message and tell me how to get a hold of you. All right, I, I will do that. I'll put it in the uh, group chat. Um, I'll send you guys an email because I'd like to I'd like to reach out to you guys when I come out there next year. Outstanding. Matter of fact, and, while you're out here, why don't you do uh, the Smith's Castle with us? I'd love to. Yeah, let's let's get that done. Um, I got a group coming. We got four other people coming with us, and then uh, we plan on going to Salem as well while we're up there. So. Yeah, I definitely reach out to you guys and see what we can hook up. Outstanding. Any of you, if you get up this way, reach out to us. Okay. Simon Lynchburg. Simon Lynchburg. And we're looking at trying to start a Paracon next year. So I'd like to have you guys come in and, and sit down and talk and, and and do some things with us there too. Oh, I'd love oh. to be part of that. That's not Definitely send us some news on that when you have information, Dan. Oh. We'll put that on the show during our news segment. Definitely. Absolutely. We uh, we kind of went outside the box on the ghost walks instead of just walking around and telling people stories. I've recorded the business owner and employee telling you what's happening inside their business. So you get firsthand information from the business owner. So that makes it a little unique too. Nice. Very cool. Well, this is the part of the show we like to affectionately call the plugs. So if you guys do public tours open to the public or ghost walks or investigations and people are interested, what would be the best way to get a hold of you guys, websites, social medias, and all that? So, Ronnie, let's start with you. If somebody is visiting the Lynchburg, Tennessee area and they want to maybe go on a ghost walk or do an investigation with Tennessee Paranormal, what are some of the websites and ways that they can get in touch with you? They can go to TennesseeParanormal.com, and we have uh, a place there to buy all the tickets and everything online. Uh, if they're actually in Lynchburg, they can stop by our office there on the square. Um, we also are listed with the Chamber of Commerce on their website uh, to do there. We have a Facebook page, but we also have a Facebook group, and that's where we usually do everything is through the group. Um, one of our Tours is called a Spirits and Spirits Tour. We just uh, uh, trademark registered that. That's where we send them over to the craft distillery for a tasting and then take them on a ghost walk. So we're looking to franchise that idea around too. So if any of you guys do walks and things like that, please reach out to us at uh, Tennessee Paranormal Ghost Tours at gmail.com. Spirits and Spirits sounds good to me. <laughs> do you guys do tours year round? We uh, start in March and end in November uh, on the walking tours, but we actually do the investigations year-round. We have the Moore County Jail Museum. We have the Nathan Bedford Forest Boyhood Home here in Chapel Hill, too, where um, we do investigations there also. It does get a little bit chilly in Tennessee in the winter, so I can imagine that. So no, no problems there. 
Uh, Adam and Dennis, how can somebody get more information about the uh, Paranormal Legend Society? Do you guys do ghost tours open to the public or investigations? And, and if so, how can people get more information there? So our public investigations are at Smith's Castle. Um, we run them from May to November. Um, and they can either contact Smith's Castle or go to our Facebook page, um, Paranormal Legend Society. And I'm working on getting our Weebly page open, and that's Paranormal Legend Society at Weebly.com. And, you know, we, we, we've sat here as a group, but you know, I also want to thank all of our investigators. Um, we have a great historian, Al. We have um, Rick, who's our co-founder. We have Trish, one of our other investigators. We have Deb, who is our medium. We have Sandy, who's our sensitive. We couldn't do this if it was just two of us. And I'm sure you guys completely get that. You know, I want to thank all those guys too for making us capable to be even on your podcast. You know, that's what it's all about. But that's how they would get a hold of us. And uh, again, anyone you come up this way, please contact us. Um, we can take you to some great, great haunted sites. I have social media, like, like, Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff as well. Twitter. TikTok. We have our Facebook at Paranormal Legend Society. It's on Facebook. But yeah, I don't do the other things. I'm too old. We have we have a TikTok as well, but it's uh, not performing as much as our Facebook is. <laughs> but Drew, when you're up here, I want to take you on your first do do an investigation with you. We'll we'll have to see about that. <laughs> I don't get up there that often, but I do occasionally. So I will certainly reach out to you guys. So I appreciate that. That'll be fun. Uh, Chance, how about you? If someone's coming down to Florida and they want to do an investigation or something like that, how can they learn about GPS or if you guys do open investigations for the public? And how can people find out a little bit more about your paranormal radio show based out of Tampa? Um, they can usually find me dancing at uh, Chippendales on the weekends. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, uh, now, how the scary radio, is that? I know, right? For the uh radio show, it's called Paraprobe, and, and we're on uh 1490 a.m. out of uh Bradenton, Florida, and Tampa, Florida. Um, and it's every Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Or you can go to iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, we're on everything. Paraprobe Radio, go back and listen to all the archive shows. Um, and you can also find us on all of our social media. At Facebook and Instagram is at Paraprobe Radio, and Twitter is just Paraprobe. I don't know why it only came up Paraprobe on that one, but everything else is Paraprobe Radio. And then, of course, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. Does the does GPS have a website? Uh, they do, but I'm not giving theirs out. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Genesis Paranormal Services. Um, dot com, and you can also find them also obviously on Facebook and and everything else too. Excellent, Jim. Do you have anything to plug this week? Um, just my other podcast, which is uh, Wrestle Horror. If any of you guys are into pro wrestling, I do a, a, a pro wrestling and horror Halloween podcast called Wrestle Horror uh, with my co-host Donnie Hoover, and we talk. You know, we get pro wrestlers on there. We talk about pro wrestling. We talk about horror. We talk about how much they're intertwined. Uh, WrestleHorror.com 
or you can reach out to me at meathookgym at gmail.com. And I guess I'll give a quick plug out to myself. I believe my training of haunted houses this year for actor training is done for the year. But um, after midnight on October 31st, I do run my half price special for any haunt that wants to hire me for the 2022 season. You get half my rate. First come, first serve. I do not save for anybody. That's rabidbadger.org. For anybody needing help designing, building, working with haunted houses, I've been working in haunted houses since 1977. I've been a professional actor since 2002, and I've been training actors since 2005. And I've had a, you know, limited season the last couple of years due to things happening out there. But hopefully 2022 will all bounce back. But um you know, folks, this has been a very fascinating conversation. It's always interesting to bring on the paranormal guys because there is no end of cool things to talk about. So I want to thank our guests, Ronnie Headley, Dennis Smale, Adam Sanders, and Chance Hancock for uh, coming on the show. We'll have to have you guys back on again at some point when we talk more about the paranormal and interesting stuff like that. Also couldn't do it without our great co-hosts, including Storm. I love these conversations always energizes me on such different levels, you know, to go out there, learn more about the paranormal groups and the history and all the cool stuff around there that helps inspire the haunts, you know, for next October and keep going. And then also, you know, this October running out, getting to haunts to have the fun there and the intrigue and suspense at the real haunt attractions. But the biggest takeaway from tonight is how cool and how much of a parallel there is between these two genres, you know, the haunt attraction industry and paranormal industry, that community feel, you know, everybody's trying to go with a certain goal, uh, overcoming the egos, which both uh, industries have. It's, it's an important part, but always something that gets tough to, to put aside and, you know, just something you, you're not going to prove ghosts and you're not going to have the greatest haunt, but boy, it's going to be fun trying either one. I forgot to ask, did you have anything to plug? Uh, other than, you know, I'm wandering around and, you know, I got websites and stuff I got to do, you know, build up, but, uh, no, the best thing I can plug is checking out your local, um, haunt attraction at this time of year and checking out your local, um, paranormal thing, whether it's just a ghost walk or, you know, one of these great, uh, groups or something going on, um, you know, check it, check your local library for some of these things. They're great sessions and stuff that uh, pop up there. I think I've been to a couple good speeches here in Warwick. They've had uh, some interesting characters and stuff on there. So, you know, don't put it on the back burner. Do the Google search. Pause right now and go do it. Uh, so check it out local, whether it's a haunt or a haunt. Also want to thank me, Hook Jim, who contributed heavily to the show tonight. We absolutely appreciate that. Uh, you know, I was having a shitty day today, I'll be honest with you. But once we started doing this, it made me feel a whole lot better. And it's, you know, a little camaraderie going there and talking paranormal investigation. And I'm walking away from this recording feeling a hell of a lot better than I did when I started. <laughs> Outstanding. That's a good thing. Oh, I got to give one quick shout out. If I don't, he's going to kill me. My co-host on the paranormal radio show I do, Paraprobe, is Jesse J. And also to Kim Rutherford. Uh, who is the VP of our company for H&E Entertainment, who that helps us do all of our bookings for all of our uh, paranormal events and everything. Very nice. My name is Drew Badger. And Jim, I have to say, you use the word shit and shitty and hell. If you're not careful, we're going to lose our PG-13 rating. 
<laughs> this is the Round Table of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Yeah, but at least we don't have to edit uh, the F-bomb every 15 seconds with Graveyard Boulevard. No, it's not Graveyard Boulevard. It's Twisted and Graves, who are also based out of Florida. But it was Graveyard. That's, that's another show. Inside jokes, Badger will never hear the end of. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you were listening to the last show because it is time to find out if we have a winner for the September gruesome giveaway sponsored by our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. If you haven't won yet, go on over to ScreamlineStudios.com and check out all their cool stuff. Or maybe we have a winner here who could get something. We asked a question in the last show. We got some entries. We selected this one. So, potential winner, what is your name and where are you located? My name is Kathleen Barbier and I live in Tarpon Springs, Florida. Tarpon Springs, Florida. Has it gotten below 90 down there yet? Not at all. <laughs> I was down there a couple of months ago and it was hot and humid and I hope this fall turns at least cooler for you. <laughs> so, so do we. Yeah. So, Kathleen, you're familiar with the show? Yes. Excellent. I need to ask you a couple of quick questions before we find out if you are the winner. Question number okay. one, question number one: Have we contacted you in any way, shape, or form other than to tell you when to call in? No. All right. Question number two: Have you tried to persuade us to select your entry with thoughts of bribery or some sort of treasures beyond belief? No. Excellent. Well, Kathleen Barbieri. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, from Tarpon Springs, Florida. I believe the question for the September gruesome giveaway was, and I'll paraphrase it here, author J. Michael Roddy is contemplating putting out the <clears throat> Haunter's Tale, Volume 3. What is the theme of that Volume 3? Tales of the Cryptid. Technically, it's Tales from the Cryptid, but I'm going to give you that. That is absolutely right. Tales from the Cryptid. He's going to probably come up with a bunch of books on cryptids and all that kind of cool stuff. We'll just have to see if he puts that out. But the more important thing is, right now, you are the winner of the September Gruesome Giveaway. Yay! Thank you very much. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And don't forget to thank Screamline Studios for all their great stuff here. Kathleen, do you work for a haunt, own a haunt, do anything like that? Uh, my husband and I have a fraternity home haunt in our yard every year. So you're a great home haunter then? Absolutely. Does it have any kind of social media page that you can plug it? Uh, House on the Hill, Tarpon Springs. Um, that's our Facebook page. House on the Hill in Tarpon Springs. Folks, get out there and look for that. Go like that page and check them all out if you're in Florida and you want to see what appears to be a very cool haunt in a very hot state. But once again, thank you, Kathleen Barberi. Again, I hope I did pronounce that correctly. 
I did, right? Good enough. <laughs> Good enough. Anyway, stay on the line so we can get some shipping information from you. But once again, folks, thank you again to ScreenlineStudios.com for providing all these great prizes. We have our September winner. If you didn't win this month, next month is October, and you know what that means, folks. So anyway, we want to thank Kathleen for being the winner down in Tarpon Springs, Florida. This is the gruesome giveaway for the month of September, and we'll be right back. The House of Exorcism, starring Terry Savalas, Elkie Sommer, Silva Cashina, and Robert Alda. The House of Exorcism, locked in the grip of the ultimate evil, where every corner of the soul is lost to the icy clutch of the supernatural. You won't use me tonight. You won't use me in your games tonight. <laughs> Telly Savalas, Elki Summer, Silva Koshina, Robert Alda. The House of Exorcism, a terrifying motion picture. I exercise you from this house. You and your accursed souls. I exercise you from this house forever. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. The House of Exorcism, a peppercorn worms are release. neophytes and sit by the fire. It's time to ask the old crone. <laughs> I know we're all weary from all the preparations for the hot season that is fast approaching. Let's have a little talk about your scare actors. Oh, I know it's important to teach them how to create a character, how to move in their costumes, and even how to get the scare. But I'd like to talk to you about the part of your actor training that is not about the acting. It is important to teach your staff about the other, less fun things of being a scare actor. Many owners hire teenagers who may be new to the world of employment. Guide them through the art of being a professional. Things like clocking in and out, cleaning up their areas at the end of the night, etc. And don't forget general hygiene, staying healthy through the season, and how not to get haunters flu. Teach them how to save their voices. You don't want them to blow their voice out the very first night. And remind your staff that they are a representative of your haunt. Whether they're in the public promoting your haunted attraction in a full costume, or out among their friends with a t-shirt with your logo on it, 
their behavior can either put your haunt in a good light or a bad one. If they visit another haunt, it's important that they behave professionally. Now, no one likes the jerks that come through your haunt pointing out where the next scare is coming from or mouthing off to the actors or making bad comments about the haunt in general. So it's important to remind your staff to not, quote, be that guy when they are a guest at another haunt. If another haunt visits you, you want to treat them with respect. And no owner wants to get a call from another owner that their staff was rude during their visit. So the old adage, treat others as you'd want them to treat you, is just as true in the haunt industry. Another item that should always be taught to your scare actors is protocols for safety and emergencies. At Banshee Manor, we use color codes. Code blue for medical, code red for fire, and code black for security issues. You want your staff to know what to do in the case of an emergency. I also strongly encourage you to download the video on sexual harassment provided free by the Haunted Attraction Association. I found it very informative. Outline the chain of command, your policies, and encourage fair treatment of all staff regardless of sex, race, or sexual orientation. Often we are a safe space to those who may not fit into the normal world. So we want them to know who to go to if there is an issue, and we want them to feel safe to do so. We all want amazing actors who can always get the scare. But more importantly, we want to foster great employees and volunteers who enjoy working at our haunt and want to come back year after year. And we want people who we want to come back year after year. Uh, I'm going to throw another log on the fire. The air is getting a little nippy this time of year. If you have any questions or comments, send me an email at scream at BansheeManor.com. And don't forget, children, stir the cauldron. <laughs> Little Miss Sticks. Drag Queen Dracula on the Big Scary Show.
Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. We are meeting and greeting with all the fans and all the fun people who love the horror and haunted house industry. And a lot of people walking around are actors at various haunts. You know, they may go to this one or that one and they brought their characters. Maybe they're in something different. But there's a guy who's been walking around here a couple times and he looks pretty dang menacing. He, uh, we'll talk to him in a moment, but uh, his handler goes by the name of Sean, who works for Frightworks, not too far down the road in Powell, Tennessee. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing really good. I, I'm starting to, uh, my CreepyCon this year is my first one I've ever been to, and I'm actually starting to like it. Uh, it's actually, you, didn't, you didn't start to like it the second you walked in the door and no, saw this cool it. stuff? No, I loved it before I started walking in. I seen the skeleton and the hearse outside above of them, and then I started seeing all the clowns. I, I was like... I feel at home. And despite the clowns, you still walked in. I still walked in. <laughs> okay, well, well, you're a strong man, sir. So tell us a little bit about Frightworks. You've been around for a few years down in Powell. Uh, what is their basic theme, if they have a basic theme? What's new this year? What do you know about uh, Frightworks 2021 opening night or anything like that? Well, we do have a new uh, background theme. You will have to find out in September 28th is when our opening, our first opening night is. And then we open the second week, I'm pretty sure the second week in October. If you look it up on uh, Frightworks.com, you'll find all of our opening days when our nights that we will be open. Nice. But uh, we do have a history about Josiah Hex and his, the whole family. Uh, one of his, uh, I'm pretty sure it's his great, 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 great granddaughter that's on the spit team morgan hex that she will be out there at frightworks i'm pretty sure this year excellent so so speaking of josiah hex who i'm assuming is one of the patriarchs of the hex family i notice he's right here so maybe we need to speak to josiah maybe he can give us a little bit more insight about what's going on at frightworks this year josiah how are you i've been doing really good it's just uh i'm having a splitting headache from that the whole axe thing I usually have my axe mark in my head, but I didn't want to show it today and scare people. There are a lot of young kids being pushed around in cradles and strollers and, and other kids. You don't you don't want to gross them out in August. Yeah, you want to you want to gross them out in October when it's the right time and make Absolutely. them cry. Absolutely. So you know, and, and hopefully, Frightworks is one of those places that's not necessarily recommended for young kids. Uh, it depends. Some of our actors are kid friendly. I mean, I'm a, I'm kid friendly. I do have a good heart. But sometimes if and I... And you're holding it in your left hand, right? And I'm holding it in my left hand, yeah. But uh, we have fun. We try to be family-friendly all the time. But if you get to our chainsaw guys, good luck. You probably want to run. Yeah, I love the chainsaw guys. Now, are you guys just a haunted house? Or are you doing escape rooms or axe throwing or any of the things that a lot of different haunted houses are doing these days? Uh, we're just a haunted house that I know of. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I've only been around for three years. Okay. And, and you sound so so much mature for only being three years old. How interesting. But anyway. <laughs> well, I'm actually from the 1800s. I died in 1805. Oh, my. So well, you're actually over 300 years or 200 years old at this point. But yet, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about, you know, nobody knew math back then anyway. So we won't, we won't talk about that. But um, where can people expect to find you at Frightworks so they will make sure to avoid you? Uh, you'll find me in uh, the boiler room. Okay. And if you don't see me in the boiler room, then you probably want to run because <laughs> I'm probably going to be right behind you. 
Excellent. So for people who uh, live in the Knoxville area and want to make the short hop over to Powell to find out all they can about Frightworks, be sure to buy their tickets early because no doubt it's going to be a great show this year. Where can people get more information, websites, social medias, and all that? And I'll ask Sean because Josiah doesn't know anything about modern technology, obviously, being from the 18th century, 1800s or whatever. So, Sean, where can people get more information about Frightworks? So we got Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, too. Ooh. But you can go to Frightworks.com or our Facebook, too, and find more information. But we do have a recruitment next Saturday nice. for the haunt if anyone's here in Knoxville that wants to join a haunted house this year. Oh, fantastic. So, you know, if you're looking at working at a haunt this year, Frightworks is opening. You might have that, and you may not full staff, so they may have other ones down the road into September and all that. But check with Frightworks.com and go get scared this October. And, again, if you if you don't see Josiah, he's probably seen you, so you might want to run. So, Sean, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to us here on the Big Scary Show. Thank you. And here comes from Josiah. Thank you very much, and have a good time. <laughs> Oh, boy. Once again, folks, Drew Badger here live at CreepyCon in Knoxville, meeting all the characters and everything and all the various haunts. For the Big Scary Show, we're out. Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Michael Graves, Forgotten Road, Seasons of the Witch, on The Big Scary Show.
Drew Badger, we're live out here at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're meeting a whole bunch of very interesting people and very interesting, shall we say, other things, including clowns. We've had this guy wander around several times looking menacing as always. It's Pumpkin the Clown, who we'll get into in a minute, but his handler James is here. James, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. You have come a long way to be here at CreepyCon. You have come all the way from the wilds of Arkansas. Yes. Yes, I have. Very long drive. I can only imagine. Uh, what, what is the name of the haunt that uh, you and Pumpkin both work at? Uh, Nightmares Haunted House. That is in Bella Vista, Arkansas. Yes. Excellent. Um, what is new? You guys were not open last year, so what will people be able to expect if they come out to Nightmares this year? Um, a lot bigger scares. Uh, we have some new, uh, we have a lot of drop panels that we're doing. Um, we have a whole little bus ride that we do. Um, we're, we're just really going to be amping it up a whole lot. I can only imagine the staff is just itching to go after not being open in 2020. Yes, yes. <laughs> So what did Pumpkin do in the uh, off season here? Let's go ahead and talk to Pumpkin. Pumpkin the clown. You know you didn't you didn't work at Frightmares last year. So what have you been doing over the uh, past few seasons? Oh, you know, man, I've kind of just been uh, going around, going to conventions, going to all kinds of places, and uh, staying home mostly. You know. Sounds like fun. I mean, are you generally just terrifying people out here today? You know, clowns are generally just horrifying in general. We all know that, despite what people may say. But uh, how, how are people reacting to Pumpkin walking around with this very menacing barbed wire covered bat and all that? Um, a lot of them want pictures with me for some reason. That's weird. And um, a lot of them just really like to say hi. Some of them don't like to say hi at all. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. So I noticed that uh, Pumpkin has a booth out here. What is, what is he selling? Uh selling a lot of t-shirts and hoodies and masks and uh 
a lot of mugs and all kinds of stuff. So it's all about the merchandising for Pumpkin the Clown, it sounds like. Yep, it's all about it. It's what it's all about. When people come to Frightmares or Nightmares, do they uh, specifically ask where you are lurking so they either can find or avoid you? No, uh, I actually work on the bus. Uh, I work in a box, so they have no idea where I am. I'm always just sitting inside of a box. And then do you, like, pop out when the right time comes? or? Yeah, um, <laughs> we have a movie that's kind of... They take a movie, take, like, Zombieland 2, and they'll cut it up and kind of match it with the ride, and then we'll have specific points where I jump out and scare people. Oh, great. That That's a terrifying thing that works a lot, and nobody can escape because they're on a moving bus. I love yes. that. Yes. <laughs> well, Pumpkin, it's always a pleasure to talk to clowns, especially. Let's talk to James for just a second. Uh, James, for people wanting information on nightmares in Bella Vista, Arkansas, maybe they're traveling through checking out the leaf watching or anything want to go see a haunted house are there websites or any uh, social medias where people can get more information about that uh yeah you can uh, search nightmares haunted house on uh facebook or uh, go to nightmareshauntedhouse.com and you'll be able to find it there sounds good and what about pumpkin pumpkin's got merchandise here but does he have online store where can people buy a pumpkin mug or t-shirt or otherwise uh yeah he's got a uh, teespring and he has a uh, tiktok uh it's uh, pumpkin the clown without the second p uh it's uh, pumpkin.the.clown uh he has a link tree which gives his instagram his facebook all that stuff sounds like fun well pumpkin i wish you nothing but success and a very very scary season down at nightmares in arkansas james thank you for keeping him from hitting anybody with the bat while we're sitting here talking thank you all thank right you so once again folks look for pumpkin the clown on the tiktoks and all the other social medias nightmares haunted house in bella vista arkansas looks to be rather terrifying i would personally say don't get on the bus but maybe you don't have a choice so once again folks drew badger here live at creepy con in knoxville tennessee having a grand old time and we're out thanks so much Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Boncaron. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Boncaron. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Boncaron.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenwine Studios. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Creepy Collection. And Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse as well as the Forga hosts, including Storm, Ransom Moore, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor, Trainer, and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, JerryVane.com. And finally, you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.